You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast, presented by The Daily Goat. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Pombo and Peter's Picks. I'm Jason Pombo alongside Peter Alves. How are we doing, Peter? Pretty good. Today's fight day. And wow, Peter Pombo, Pombo and Peter Picks coming out on a Thursday. Yes. Happy Thursday. Happy fight day. Uh, Peter, I guess that's a that's probably a good way to start off. So in a couple hours from now, you're going to be fighting uh, Justin of the Bosox Bombers in a boxing match. So are you excited? Are you nervous? What is your overall? We're going to get this dub. Good luck, Justin. You're going to so, die on the mat. My friend. You confident? Yeah. Got to be, you know. Okay. Have you, uh, this is obviously your first boxing match you've ever yeah. encountered. For all well, amateurs. Wish, yeah. I wish you the best of luck. I'll be there to support you. And you guys can check that out on the Bosox Bombers Instagram live. Uh, or if you can't see the live, you can check it out on the Daily Goat YouTube channel. Uh, it should be out a couple of days after the fight. So uh, look forward to it. Consume it any way you can. It's going to be a very entertaining to say the least. Probably really funny. It's not going to lie. Exactly. Entertaining. Watch out, Jake. <sighs> Poor Goldberg. Goldberg, I know you're listening on a Thursday. You're the best, brother. All right. So... Peter, let's start off with last week. So last week was one of our best weeks we've had on the show. Uh, we went a combined 6-0. and uh, For me anyway, I was correct with the Red Sox over the Yankees last Friday. Uh, and then I was right for the over on game five for 218. And then I had the over DeAndre eight and 15 and a half points. So I was 3-0. and It was um, the first 3-0 and I've had in a couple weeks. And uh, I think that was probably the first uh, time that None of us got anything wrong in a couple weeks, for sure. Good thing we didn't bet it in real life. But also in 3-0, as you said, the Red Sox beat the Yankees. The Bucks won game five, so I didn't even need the plus three and a half. And Middleton got 29 points, and that was the over 26 and a half. Yeah, so we did well. And uh, starting this week, uh, since the NBA is done, it's tough to forecast Major League Baseball picks a couple days in advance. Uh, we're going to start breaking down, like we did last week, uh, NFL win totals. So on our weekly graphic, you can catch our win totals this week. It will be the AFC West, and we'll also include our AFC North one that we uh, did last week. So later on, we will break down the AFC West. But, Peter, let's start off with the NBA Finals, like you just mentioned. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, hoisted, the, hoisted the Lombardi. Ah, Lombardi, yeah. The Milwaukee Bucks hoisted the Larry O'Brien Trophy for the first time since 1971. That is their second NBA Finals championship in their franchise's history. Uh, the Bucks were down 2-0 to begin the series and rallied to win four consecutive games to win it in six. Peter, what is your first non-biased takeaway of this series? So, A, congratulations to the Bucks. B, Suns, how did you lose four straight? Don't even understand that. See, Chris Paul, I think you're overrated now. I We were praising you all podcast, And I, I just think you melted in the playoffs. He's the first player in NBA history to lose three series when he's up 2-0. Chuck Artis. And uh, four, Devin Booker. We're not a shoot, bro. It's like 0-7 for three. Like, just hitting bricks all day. Yes. But I did feel for him at the end of the game when he was like, damn, this sucks. It's like, yeah, I feel free, bro. 
But I mean, hats off to Giannis. That's the greatest NBA Finals performances I've ever seen out of a player, even without LeBron James. I think he's the most dominant player, probably in our generation right now. Well, Peter, I, uh, that's that's a, a bold take. So you mentioned Giannis's playoff performance. So this series, he averaged thirty-five point two points a game, thirteen point two rebounds in five assists, along with shooting 61.8% from the field. He was a master on both both sides of the court. And on top of all of that, his free throw ability certainly was at the height of its, uh, the height of his career as he, yeah, everyone's going to have to yeah. uh, hire his free throw uh, coach, whoever that is like Lonzo, you got to like get in that gym, wherever it is. Like, it's like a career 50% free throw shooter. And then last game, he just couldn't miss. Yeah, he was 17 and 19 from the free throw line in game six. Uh, and that was that was a difference maker. So Giannis was named uh, the NBA Finals MVP. Um, and Giannis, you look at his trophy case, he is a two-time MVP winner. Uh, he's got an NBA Finals championship now. Uh, he is now an uh, NBA Finals MVP award winner. And he's won the Defensive Player of the Year award. There's only two other players in NBA history that have that those accolades: uh, Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. A great, great company right there. Exactly, he is in pristine company. And I think, look, I don't want to say we underrated Giannis on the podcast, but I felt that his liability uh, from the arc would come back to bite the Bucks. And it didn't. Uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, he deserved the MVP award. He deserves all the recognition uh, that he's getting. Uh, this Milwaukee Bucks team did it the right way. Uh, and ironically enough, of their roster currently comprised, they have zero top 10 picks. Is that crazy? Nobody that crazy. on their roster was selected in the top 10 of the NBA draft. And the NBA, like we all know, is very superstar-centric, uh, a lot of teams tank for the lottery to get the next Zion or get the next whoever you want to throw in. But the Bucks never did that. Uh, they selected Giannis, I believe, with the 15th pick of the draft in 2013. And it ended up being the best the best draft pick they've had in their franchise's history. Uh, they acquired Chris Middleton through trade. Uh, that ended up very well. Uh, Drew Holiday they acquired through trade. They gave up a King's ransom to get him, but it doesn't matter. They wanted, they wanted, they won. So and PJ Tucker this year, too. Yep, P.J. Tucker, uh, Bobby Portis, who was pretty much a lot of people thought he was done. His NBA career was done, and that wasn't the case. Uh, Brooke Lopez provided an occasional spark when he got in there. Uh, the Bucks team, they proved a lot of doubters. And on top of all that, Mike Budenholzer, it felt like he was going to get fired up until they made <laughs> until game one of the NBA Finals. And that was jobs protected probably for a few years. Exactly, and... Uh, not to mention, how about if Kev went the shot with Kevin Durant in game uh, seven? Can you imagine if that was a uh, three-pointer? I know. So it seemed like it was fate uh, from the Milwaukee side of things. So I know you're a big Chris Middleton fan. Uh, where do you believe that? So he's emerged, and I think the public now sees that he is a star in this league. Uh, do you think he's legit? Yeah, I think he is. Obviously, he wasn't as good in game six, but game four or five, he's the reason why they won. And even like that shot with a minute and 30 left to go, like defense right in his face. I think he, like when they're up four points and got it to six, I think he 
that was a dagger for the game. Yeah, I, I think Middleton, uh, he he showed what he can do. Uh, he's a star in this league. I, I don't think he's a superstar by any means, but uh, he the Bucks won an NBA championship with him being the number two player. So that says enough about him as a player. Uh, throughout the series, he averaged 24 points a game, 6.3 rebounds a game, and 5.3 assists per game. Uh, like we talked about his performance in game four, he scored 40 points. And that, in my opinion, was the turning point of the series. Again, that 40-point performance ended up tying the series at two, and then the rest was history. But after that game, I felt like the Bucs had control of the series. And because of that game, the Bucs won the series. On top of that, according to StatMuse, um, Middleton had 18 points on 75% shooting in the clutch in the, in the NBA Finals. It was most by any player. Uh, he led the NBA playoffs in clutch points. So he was awesome. You know, he was clutch, uh, especially down the stretch in the final two minutes. Uh, defensively, he was able to make some stops. Any way you slice it, Middleton was great. And I think going forward, the Bucks they should be very fortunate and very happy about their talent evaluation when they're able to pluck away Chris Middleton from the Detroit Pistons and pluck away Giannis from Greece in the 15th overall pick in the 2013 drafts. So... Yeah, that's all for them doing it the right way and Giannis not leaving. Exactly. So speaking of doing it the right way, uh, as we just alluded to, uh, did you catch Giannis's uh, post-game celebration where uh, he said along the lines, he's like, I could have went somewhere else. I could have created a super team, but I didn't do that. I took, I didn't do the easy way out. I, I, I didn't. Yeah, during he, his press conference, he's like, yeah, now I want to trade out. And then he started laughing. I was like, that, that's cute. Giannis yeah. is becoming a great player, you know, yeah, yep, great and- personality. And the day after, uh, so Wednesday, the day after they won the NBA Finals, uh, Giannis went to Chick-fil-A. And uh, it's just all funny, the whole aura around Giannis. I think he's become well-liked in the league. Uh, He's arguably um, emerging as one of the best players in the league at age 26 years old. Uh, He now has an NBA championship at age 26 years old, something LeBron James did not accomplish at the age of 26. So you look at Giannis and you look at this Bucks team and they did it the right way. They're a small market. They can't draw in free agents. They never really had that high draft pick. Sure, if you want to call Giannis a lucky pick, sure. But whatever, they selected him. And that's that's how it went. They did it the right way. Giannis didn't go. Giannis could have easily went to Miami. He could have easily went to the Clippers. He could have easily went to you name it and created a super team. But he didn't. He stayed in Milwaukee. And this championship feels more valuable than it would if he went to Miami or somewhere else. Yeah, it does. And even with the, all the fans and you can't even call it a fake win either if he, or a fake like championship like the Lakers. You can't because uh, sure, there were some injuries along the line. Sure, Brooklyn didn't have their firepower. Sure, the Lakers didn't have their po- firepower. Same with the Clippers. It doesn't matter. You can't control who's in front of you. All you need to do is uh, win the game in hand and they were able to do that. Was it the prettiest thing in the world? Absolutely not. Did I think they were going to get bounced in the second round? I did. Uh, did I think they were an overrated team going into the playoffs? I absolutely did. But they proved the doubters wrong. And now they're NBA champions. It's as simple as that. When you look at the flip side of things, you kind of mentioned what was wrong with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Devin Booker, he had a poor shooting game for game six. Chris Paul had some bad turnovers. Uh, DeAndre Ayton looked small to me. Uh, he didn't rise up to the challenge. Uh, the other Phoenix role players didn't necessarily step up. So 
Do you overall consider this season a success by the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, obviously it's a win because they're a second seed and they made it all the way to the finals. Monte Williams should should have won uh, Coach of the Year, in my opinion, but he didn't, right? Yeah, he did not. know. Uh, yeah. uh, Tom Thibodeau won the Coach of the Year award. Uh, when I look at the Suns team, I agree with you. Oh, look, they weren't even in the playoffs last year. And even if Chris Paul were to opt out and leave, which is a possibility, uh, they still have Devin Booker, who is a top three player under the age of 25 in the league. DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton is one of the best young centers in the NBA, and they should have no trouble drawing in another superstar when the time comes. Uh, Monty Williams is a player's first coach, um, and I think they'll be able to draw a star if Chris Paul were to leave. So Chris Paul is 36 years old. Uh, this was probably the best chance he'd ever have to winning an NBA Finals, and that didn't come to fruition. So, But it still should be, categorically the biggest win in Phoenix Sun. I don't want to call it the biggest win of their history because, well, they've never actually won an NBA finals championship. So uh, this season, I mean, they, they turned some heads. Maybe we've got to take heads. a step back though, because maybe they're a little, a little bit fraudulent. You think so? So I think next they beat season... the Lakers without AD and less than hundred percent LeBron. And then they beat the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. And then they beat the Clippers without Kawhi. And then I guess it all caught up to them, I guess. But even then, I still consider it a choke job. They were up 2-0. Right. I mean, Chris Paul chokes again. Yeah, they were up 2-0 in the series, you know, and they allowed the Bucks to come in there and win. They had leads uh, during games, I think, 4, 5, and 6 at one point. You know, they were winning at halftime in game 6 two nights ago, and they were not able to hold, hold Milwaukee down. And simple as that, it's a choke job. Uh, granted that, it's a successful season for them and all that fun stuff, but they should be at the bare minimum fighting for their lives in game seven. They should not have lost the series in six games. You lost four consecutive games after winning the first two in your home court. It's a terrible look in terms of what could have been And Chris Paul. It absolutely impacts his legacy a little bit because the last couple of weeks in the podcast, we've been talking about how special this year has been for him and how this NBA Finals win would propel him to being arguably a top three point guard in NBA history. We talked on and on about how Devin Booker is being compared to Kobe Bryant and the Phoenix Suns could be the next leg- next um, dynasty in the NBA. Uh, young, exciting, but like you said, it might have been a year too early. And after this series, it's just making me flip on Chris Paul and I hope he never wins a championship until he retires. I don't Which is actually sad, but... I don't think he will. I like Chris Paul, the player, but you know, this one, you look at him and you're like, dude, you're up 2-0. You had some costly turnovers. Uh, he wasn't bad in game six, but in game five, he had some costly, costly turnovers in the final two minutes of the game. Uh, he wasn't really able to get anything going in the offensive end. And it all, you know, it all ended up equaling a Milwaukee Bucks victory. Sure, Devin Booker did not shoot the lights out. And like I talked about, DeAndre Ayton wasn't at his best either. But if you're Chris Paul, uh, you're the star of that team. You're 36 years old. You're an NBA veteran. You got to take control and propel your team to at least a game seven. Like if you lose in game seven, you know, like anything can happen in a game seven. That's what they say. But to lose four consecutive games, one on your home court in game five, I don't know. That's just that's just a real tough pill to swallow, and that's going to hurt him for probably the rest of his life. And a fun little stat on Chris Paul, and maybe this doesn't really matter, but uh, Scott Foster, the 
NBA official. He's 0-13 in the last 13 playoff games where he officiated. Yeah, I saw that stat. I don't believe the officiating had much to do with the loss for the Suns. No, it didn't. I, I thought that they, the Suns got more calls than the Bucks did. But. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I don't think the officiating was the story of the game. But that's a fun but, little stat, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty ironic to say the least. And I'm sure Chris Paul is uh, not going to look forward to his next meeting with Scott Foster next time in a playoff series, if he gets that far. And... um. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Chris Paul's future in the in a, in a moment, but Peter, I want to transition back to Giannis here quickly. So, like we talked about Giannis and all his accolades, all he's done uh, during his last eight-year NBA career uh, in a short time period. He's only 26 years old. He's already accomplished uh, two MVP awards, an NBA Finals, uh, Finals MVP, a Defensive Player of the Year. He's already accomplished a lot. All-Star games, you name it. He's accomplished it at age 26. First team, second team. Exactly. You name it. All-Star. Anything. You name it. He's been there. Now, Peter, I want you, as of July 22nd, 2021, uh, episode 30 of Pombo and Peter's Picks. So, again, you can change this in the future. I want you to rank your top five players in the NBA right now. So I think after that performance, you have to put him in the top five. I thought he was going to be like below 10 if he didn't win, but after this finals win, he has to be propelled. So I have Durant at number one and LeBron at number two. You really can't debate that. And then Curry at number three, I think he's the best shooter I've ever seen, and he changed the way that they play basketball. And then four, I have Kawhi just because of his defense. But people can debate that. And then Giannis at number five. And Luka just missing the cut. Yeah, so I think when we were talking about it before we started the show – um, there's like six players that I believe are truly worthy of that nod of being a top five player in the NBA right now. For me, I'm going to go, it's similar to your list. Kevin Durant is my number one. Uh, granted, the Nets did not win the NBA finals this year. Uh, Durant's performance against the Bucks in the playoffs was something that I'd never seen before. He was phenomenal. Putting that team on their back once Harden uh, and Kyrie Irving got hurt. So Durant is my number one. Number two, I have LeBron James. Uh, LeBron getting bounced in the first round this past year, but uh, four rings, uh, won the NBA Finals last year. So I think he still is the number two player in the world. Uh, number three, I personally go Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi Leonard's ability as a two-way player is probably one of the best, is probably the best in the game in terms of being a, a full two-way player uh, when he's healthy, engaged. He's number three. Number four, I got to give it up to Giannis. I do have Giannis at four. I think all the accolades, all that he accomplished, uh, especially coming down from a 2-0 deficit, I have him as number four. Is it recency bias? It might be, but I'm a slave to the scoreboard. Giannis is the champion. He's number four. Uh, Number five, I lean Steph Curry slightly ahead of Luka Doncic, purely based on the pedigree that Curry has had over the past decade. Curry known as the best shooter in NBA history, and I buy that 100%. Uh, Luca, I believe, will be on that list probably for this next year. It wouldn't shock me if by the end of next year, Luca is number three. Uh, he's that kind of player, but right now I have Luca sitting at number six. I got to see what Luca can do in the playoffs. We haven't got a big enough sample size yet. Uh, sure, he, had, he did have some success, but I want to see him in a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals before I really give him that nod. Everybody else on the list has won a finals, NBA finals, MVP award. They're all champions. Uh, Luca does not have that pedigree yet. 
So that's my top five. So Peter, that that's our top five list right now. Uh, maybe we'll do another list uh, once the, uh, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll be feeling a little bit different at the midway point in next season in the NBA. But I want to just transition uh, quickly to a little bit of NBA offseason storylines. So the NBA offseason is full of storylines. We know it that sport doesn't sleep. The offseason is just as exciting as the regular season. Uh, and there's been a couple of different rumors that have popped up, some this past week, some last week. Uh, but first, I'm going to start off with Damian Lillard. So uh, I wrote about it. Uh, on the dailygoats.com about how Damian Lillard could be on his way out of Portland. And I got a little bit of blowback on that article. A lot of people thought I was crazy and that Lillard would never ask for a trade. But if you read the tea leaves, uh, you look at how Portland has failed miserably in the first round of the playoffs for the last five years. Uh, You look at the failed personnel decisions in Portland, their failure to acquire Nikola Vucevic, uh, their failure to acquire James Harden, their failure to move on from CJ McCollum. Uh, that you could tell that Damian Lillard was obviously frustrated. He's now uh, 30 years old or 31 years old, whatever it is. Um, and that he, there would be a, a time where he would look for greener pastures. And I believe, and I thought that time was now, and apparently it is. So uh, reports brewed uh, from Chris Haynes and uh, Shams and everybody else last week that uh, Damian Lillard is kind of weighing out his options uh, for the 2021 season. And, um, he hasn't, he hasn't formally requested a trade, but uh, apparently he wouldn't be opposed to it either. A lot of speculation that the Knicks are interested, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Miami Heat, uh, the Lakers, the Clippers. So do you believe Lillard is a member of the Portland Trailblazers at the start of next season? I do not. I think they're going to blow it up, and I think he's going to go to a contender team this year. What do you got? You got a you pick? Uh, he's rumored to go to the Lakers, so anywhere but there. Hope he doesn't go there. Okay. So, I agree with you. I think Lillard is done. Uh, granted, in his Team USA press conferences, Lillard respects the city of Portland and the franchise of the Trailblazers too much to openly be like, yeah, like, I want out of here. Like, this place sucks. Like, he's has he likes the city too much. He likes the franchise and what it's done for him uh, over the last decade. So, he's not going to do that. But behind the scenes, uh, if the summer rolls around and – Portland has not done anything substantial. Uh, I could absolutely see him pushing his way out. And to me, I think there is, I think he's going East. I think Portland will trade him to the Eastern conference. I don't believe they'll send him to the Western conference. So you look at the Eastern conference. I see the Knicks. I see the 76ers and the Miami heat are the top three favorites. Now, which one is the most likely? I would say probably the Knicks or the 76ers. The Knicks can offer a trade package uh, that could be centered around R.J. Barrett, Mitch Robinson. Uh, so they have those young assets. You look at a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, they could trade Ben Simmons. Now, would Portland be interested in a trade package centering around Ben Simmons? I don't know, maybe. Or would they rather look at Miami and look for a trade package centered around Tyler Hero? So it all depends on what Portland is looking for to build the future. Now. When you look at that and trading Damian Lillard uh, from a PR perspective, the best thing to do would be get an all-star in return, and that's Ben Simmons, right? I guess, but if you can't spin it for the fans by seeing his past uh, playoff performance. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying with that. But if you trade him to the Knicks for like draft picks and R.J. Barrett and Mitch Robinson, just example, 
I think you're a lot more inept to take some criticism unless like, right, I but think, RJ, yeah. I think RJ Barrett's better than Ben Simmons. Do you? Okay. Future, yeah. So and I think then, Simmons like, is better. Hero, right I don't now. think that's ever going to happen. You don't think so? No, I think they love Tyre Hero. Well, if they were to acquire him, they'd have they'd have to get right. Him yeah. So if you think, I think Miami would be willing to deal Hero because I think Hero's trade value has dropped significantly. Uh, when you look at it, and I love Tyler Hero, like I was a huge advocate for drafting him in the 2019 NBA draft. Uh, I thought he was legit, and I thought he was a real sleeper. Like, he was my sleeper of the NBA draft, and I was so upset when he got picked one pick ahead of the Celtics. I was so upset. But nonetheless, I think the shine off Tyler Hero has come off a little bit. And could Miami get a little agitated? Could Pat Riley be like, you know what, like, we really need – we missed out on Giannis. Uh, We missed out on Durant. We've missed out on Kyrie. We missed out on those guys, Kawhi. Uh, potentially, do we go all in for Dame Lillard? Because Dame Lillard and Jimmy Butler seem like they could mesh well together. They have that warrior mentality. I think that would be an interesting dynamic along with Bam Adebayo. So that would be something. But I also think it would be really interesting for Lillard to end up with Philadelphia. And I think him and um, Joel Embiid would make a great combination. So it's going to be interesting to see. And that's something to monitor as the offseason progresses. And just another couple of rumors that just dropped a couple of days ago. Uh, so like we just talked about, Chris Paul's future is in the air. Uh, rumors that the Lakers are interested in Chris Paul and or Russell Westbrook. Uh, LeBron James and the Lakers are pursuing a veteran point guard. Uh, so likely you would imagine they'd have to deal Kyle Kuzma, uh, Dennis Schroeder. And- oh, no, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Kuzma is better than Jason Tatum. I love, I love those takes. So which do you think is a better fit for the Lakers? And do you believe one of them will be with the Lakers in 2021? Probably Chris Paul, because if LeBron has anything to do with it, he'll have heavy influence. He'll be like, please get my boy. But I want him to go to the 76ers just because I want him to rot away into another troubling franchise. I I need to pick another franchise in the East or like West. Well, here's the thing, Paul. Uh, don't give me bird rights. Don't do that. No, all right, no, no. It's not bird rights. It's not an NBA. Con- con- well, like right, rules rule or like. No. So Chris Paul is not going to go to Philadelphia because he doesn't like Doc Rivers. Secondly, um, if he went to the Lakers, he would have to take a severely reduced salary. Would he be willing to do that? I don't know. I really don't. Is he willing to pass up on thirty million dollars a year from the Suns the next two years for like a fifteen million dollar deal this year? I don't know. He wants Russell that shit Westbrook. bad, I mean. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, he might be like, screw it. I And Westbrook's from L.A., so I could see a scenario where that occurs. His value isn't really significantly crazy. It's like, get me out of Washington. Yeah, and you look at him, and they basically gave John Wall up to get him. And I think Westbrook's value is pretty low right now, but I don't think Westbrook would really mesh well with LeBron. I don't think that would work out well. I think he'd piss LeBron off pretty quick. Who, Westbrook? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yep. probably, because they yeah, both want the ball. Yep, Westbrook shoots too much. I uh, tried it as a little bit too much himself, and it would piss LeBron off. Chris Paul and LeBron would probably be a better combination. Uh, we saw them work well together with Team USA. So, so Peter, like we talked about to start the show, uh, the AFC West win totals are the win totals that we're going to pounce on this week. So let's start off with the defending AFC uh, champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so the Chiefs. Uh, obviously lost to the Tampa Bay Bucks in this past Super Bowl. 
Uh, let's break down a little bit of their off season. So their off season, you can pretty much sum it up in help with the offensive line. Uh, they signed Joe Tooney um, from the Patriots, a guard five-year deal worth $80 million. Uh, they lost Eric Fisher to the Indianapolis Colts. They lost Sammy Watkins receiver to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and on top of adding Joe Tooney, uh, they traded for uh, Pro Bowl offensive tackle Orlando Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. And they also signed Kyle Long, who um, returned to the NFL here. So the Chiefs have revamped their entire offensive line, adding Joe Tooney, adding Orlando Brown, uh, or I think, in my opinion, are two substantial additions. So we all saw in the Super Bowl this past year, Mahomes get his teeth kicked in. Uh, couldn't even stand up. That Bucks defense uh, was on him the entire game. So the win total for the Chiefs, according to DraftKings, is set at 12 and a half. So keep in mind, it's a 17-game season, Peter. Uh, how do you like this Kansas City Chiefs team to unfold in 2021? I think it's a hard over. I think they're going to win 14, 15 games easy. I think their only challenge is like the Browns, the Chargers. The I'm not even going to put Ravens until they can prove it. Bills, Titans, and that's it. I think that their offensive line is revamped and ready to go. I think they're way embarrassed nationally. Couldn't even keep Mahomes upright. I think they're poised to be AFC's favorites once again, and I would be very shocked they would not make the Super Bowl this year again. So the Chiefs, I feel like I agree with you. I think that win total is pretty low. I have them going 15-2 and two in the regular season. I think a stabilizing that offensive line was key. Uh, they have the offensive playmakers in Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Like they, they have, they have the weapons. Now the point is, can you keep Patrick Mahomes healthy and upright? And Joe Tooney, who has been healthy his entire career, uh, and Orlando Hudson's been fantastic the last couple of years. They'll be able to provide stability for the Chiefs, and I think that'll bode very well for them, especially in the playoffs. Uh, we all know how pass rushes can certainly impact games, like we saw in this past Super Bowl. Uh, and I think adding those guys uh, was significant and will help the Chiefs in the short term. Uh, I think I like this team going forward a lot. There's really not much to not like about this team going forward. I like them winning 15 games. Also help Hilaire, too. Second oh, year yeah, too. of course. Yep. And um, Hilaire, he was a guy, he started off pretty hot, but he kind of went, went back down to earth. Uh, now, when you have a very good offensive line, his, the chance of success certainly increases. So he could be someone people target in fantasy drafts because I think he'll probably have a bounce back here. All right, Peter, let's talk about the Los Angeles Chargers offseason. So their big splash was Corey Lindsley, a center from the Green Bay Packers. They signed him to a five-year deal worth $62.5 million. The Chargers offensive line was pretty underwhelming, similar to the Chiefs. So um, clogging up the middle of that interior line is big for them. Uh, but they did lose Hunter Henry. Uh, they lost Hunter Henry to the New England Patriots. In replacing Hunter Henry will be old, reliable veteran Jared Cook. Uh, Jared Cook uh, will fill Hunter Henry's shoes from the tight end position. Uh, in terms of other things for that uh, Los Angeles Chargers team, they signed tackle Matt Freiler uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with three-year deal worth $21 million. Um, they also lost Rashawn Jenkins' safety to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in the NFL draft, they continued to address the offensive line position uh, as they added Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle from Northwestern. 
Rashawn Slater. Some people had him as the number one tackle on the board um, of the entire draft. So the Chargers revamped their entire offensive line. Oh, and forgot to mention, uh, the Chargers now have a new head coach. Uh, they no longer have old friend Anthony Lynn, uh, who was let go. Uh, they now have Brandon Staley. Uh, Brandon Staley uh, coming over from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he was their offensive coordinator. So you look at this Chargers team, Peter. Uh, according to DraftKings, uh, their win total is set at 9.5. So sort of high, but what do you think? It's a little high, but I still like the over by a little bit. I think they're poised to give the Chiefs a little bit of challenge because the Chiefs haven't had a challenge in like three to four years. I think Herbert's going to take another step. I think he's one of the odds-on favorites for MVP just because the Chargers are a fun team. I think the Chargers have good weapons, even though they lost Hunter Henry. I don't like them placing him with Jared Cook, but they still have Keenan Allen. They still have Austin Eckler. I love Austin Eckler. I'm going to try to get him in as much fantasy teams as possible. And I think they're going to be one of the popular favorites to, to bet on the AFC this year. So the, the Chargers feel like that classic team that they have the quarterback. They now have a competent head coach. And Brandon Staley was the former Rams defensive coordinator, not offensive coordinator. Sorry about that. But uh, they now have an offensive line. Herbert, I'm sure, will take a jump from year one to year two. Uh, he put together one of the best seasons a rookie quarterback has ever put together. Uh, and I think the Chargers are going to come out swinging, but nine and a half for me is a little high. I'm going to take the under. I have the Chargers going nine and eight this season. Uh, so I have them falling short of that nine and a half total. Uh, I just think when you face the Chiefs twice a year, uh, that's a difficult and slippery slope. I do think there will be some growing pains with Herbert. I don't think it's going to be all rainbows and sunshines for the entire season. Uh, I have them winning nine games again. Uh, it's a good season, and they'll probably fight for that third wild card spot. I think they'll be in the running for it, and I have them winning nine games, so I'll take the under. Yeah, they have a hard schedule to start off, though. Washington, Cowboys, Chiefs, well, Raiders, but Browns, Ravens, Patriots, Vikings. Yikes. Yeah, and again, playing the Chiefs twice a year, that's no, uh, that's no layup, but I do think they – have the shot at t- taking one game from the Chiefs. I don't know if the Chiefs will sweep against them. So, all right, Peter, let's move on. Uh, want to head to the Vegas Raiders? Let's do it. Yikes. Let's do, let's do it. So the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Uh, they underachieved last year. They looked like they were going to be a playoff team. And that didn't come to, that didn't happen. That didn't come to fruition. Uh, they kind of collapsed down the stretch. Do you remember that game? I believe it was week 16 against Miami where Ryan Fitzpatrick went up and down the field in like 45 seconds. Yep. Wait, that's when that he came in, right? Yep. That's when Tua got benched. Tua got benched because he sucks. There it is. Matt's like, ah, poor Matt. So you look at the Raiders, um, John Gruden's still at the helm there and has not succeeded at all so far in his return. He's got a sub 500 record since his return back to the NFL. So let's talk a little bit about their off season. Uh, so the Raiders, right? Las Vegas Raiders signed defensive end uh, Yannick Ngakwe uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. They gave him a two-year deal worth $26 million. Uh, they also signed running back Kenyon Drake, uh, former Arizona Cardinals running back. Uh, they made some other additions, including receiver John Brown from the Buffalo Bills, Jonathan Hankins, defensive tackle, Solomon Thomas, defensive end, uh, Casey Hayward, cornerback. 
Uh, Richie Incognito, they re-signed, but they did lose some pieces. They lost Nelson Aguilar, who was their leading receiver this past year. Uh, they lost running back Devontae Booker to the New York Giants. Uh, they lost McKinley, the defensive end, to the Cleveland Browns, and they lost receiver Tyrell Williams to the Detroit Lions. So you look at, oh, in terms of how the Raiders fared in the NFL draft. They love drafting second-round talent, third-round talent in the first round. Yeah, so, so the Raiders, I mean, we could poke fun and make fun of their draft board all day long because I, I do think they just overthink things, and it's it's a mess. So they signed, oh, they signed, I'm sorry, they drafted offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood uh, with the 17th overall pick of the draft. Uh, Leatherwood, who was seen to be an end-of-the-first-round, early-second-round kind of guy. Uh, so they did try to address the offensive line, but uh, certainly isn't anyone that's going to turn heads, uh, not immediately anyway. So the Raiders' win total, according to DraftKings, is set at seven wins. Peter, what is your takeaway on the Raiders? I think that's a strong under. Just because the Chargers and Chiefs are going to get their wins, I don't think that – I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback, but I think he has to get out of there. I don't care how John Gruden – isn't fired by now, but it must be because of that contract, $10 million. Yikes. But the only bright spot is obviously Josh Jacobs, and that's about it. They didn't do anything at all, like really, in the NFL offseason. They didn't draft well. It'll probably be a disappointing 6-10 and 10 season, 7-9 and nine season, like they usually are. You mean 6-11? and 11? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 6-11 and 11 or whatever. So I also agree with you. I have the Raiders winning six games. I have them going 6-11. and 11. I think this Raiders team is so overrated. I don't know if people are rating them or not, but their roster just simply isn't good. Uh, they did not uh, plug up their holes in free agency. Uh, they did not draft well, in my opinion. I think their secondary is an abomination. I think it's a complete shambles, and they did nothing uh, to repair it. I think their offensive line is skeptical. Uh, in terms of offensive skill position players, I think Darren Waller is legit as a tight end. Uh, and I think Henry Ruggs is legit. Uh, but other than that, I have some question marks. I think Josh Jacobs is a premier running back. I'm with you on that. I have questions about the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is good enough. I don't think this Raiders team uh, did enough to improve this offseason. I think they're going to win six games. And I think this potentially could be Gruden's last year in Vegas. I mean, he's already had, this is what, year five of the experiment? Yep. Not and, even half over. You know what? And there's no shot he lost the 10 years. I think this might be it. I truthfully think that. I think Derek Carr, who I think is a, a good quarterback or average, whatever you want yeah. to call it. Uh, but we know what his ceiling is. We know what he is. And unless the Raiders pull Aaron Rodgers out of their ass, I don't necessarily see him doing much in this division uh, or in this NFL season. I, I don't like this Raiders team at all. I don't like how people are defending them. And I just I watch. I'll be wrong. They're going to go like yeah, they'll go five. like 11 and yeah, 12 and five or something. But I just don't see how they're going to win more than seven games. I'd be shocked. But well, they got to watch out. The te- if the Texans get Deshaun Watson back, which is a big if, I think they're going to be the worst team in the AFC. And you know what? That's, I don't think that's an outlandish statement. I think there's other teams like the Jets you need to include, but like, right. And the Jaguars, but they, they've good futures, I think. Yeah. And I, but the Raiders, there's no clear direction. Is Derek Carr the future? Like they say he's he is and stuff like that. John Grayson hates him. Like he always wants to get rid of him. It, that's what it feels. But like in terms of in front of people, they're like, nope, Derek's our guy, yada, yada, yada. But they'll be involved with the Sean Watson rumors. 
or Aaron Rodgers rumors or potentially they still have Mariota breathing on his neck, right? Yeah, not to yeah, exactly. Not to mention Mariota is still in the picture. So I don't know. This Raiders team, when I look at them, I think they're overrated. I don't again, I don't know if people are rating them, but I just think they're not good. But that's my opinion. Uh, moving on now to the Denver Broncos. So the Denver Broncos uh, were a very interesting team coming to the offseason. A lot of people pegged them as the favorite uh, to land Aaron Rodgers. And to this point, uh, that has not happened yet. It looks like they'll be going forward with Teddy Bridgewater uh, and Drew Locke as their quarterbacks, at least for this season anyway. Uh, so just to talk a little bit about their offseason. So, uh, Peter, remember all the speculation that they were going to take a quarterback in the draft? Uh, well, that didn't come to fruition, not in the first round. Uh, they drafted cornerback Pat Sertan from Alabama. Great uh, pick. Sert- Great yep, pick. Sertan was the – I know Sertan's your guy. He was the number two cornerback uh, taken, and he is someone that's going to be a member of that Denver Broncos secondary uh, for the next decade. He's talented, and I think that's a good pick overall. I think you're exactly right. They also signed Ronald Darby uh, from the Washington football team. They paid him a three-year deal worth $30 million. They did lose cornerback A.J. Boye uh, to the Carolina Panthers, who signed with them from a two-year deal worth $7 million. In addition to adding Sertan and Darby, they also added Kyle Fuller uh, from the Bears. Uh, Kyle Fuller, they gave a one-year deal worth $9.5 bucks to. Uh, and you know what? You look at that trio, Fuller, Sertan, and Darby, that secondary is legit. And when you have to deal with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes four times a year, that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, they also lost Philip Lindsay uh, to the Houston Texans. Uh, and they also lost Jawan James, their right tackle, to the Baltimore Ravens. So you look at this Broncos team, I think their roster is better than people give them credit for. Uh, they have some nice skill position players, uh, and they have some nice players defensively. So uh, according to DraftKings, they have them set at eight and a half wins. Uh, what do you think of the Broncos in 2021? I like a little bit of the under. I think they're going to win eight games. Their defense will always be amazing. I think even Vaughn Miller's coming back this year, which is a great uh, thing on the defense line, even though he's getting older. I do not like Drew Locke at all. I think that he's not the answer. Even Teddy Bridgewater's not the answer. I would hope that Bridgewater starts, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I like their pieces, the wide receivers, Sutton, and I like uh, Melvin Gordon, even though he's a little washed. But I, like I think they'll be too. Yeah, they'll be a serviceable 8-8. Eight eight. Maybe even squeak out like 9-7, and seven, but they'll yeah, be I, at the middle of the pack. I like this Broncos team. I really do. I'm going to take the under. I think they win 7. I think they go 7-10. and 10. And I think they're going to be a classic case of a quarterback away. I think, and you know, it seems like our whole life that's been the Broncos, right? Uh, a quarterback away until they got Peyton Manning, and they haven't really been able to fill that void since. Now, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Aaron Rodgers in 2022 or 2021. I don't know if it'll be Deshaun Watson. I don't know if it'll be, who knows? Uh, Or maybe they go back to the draft. But to me, it feels like this roster is very good, and it's going to be held back at the quarterback position. I think Teddy Bridgewater is serviceable at best. I think even him at this point in his career, I don't think he can really push the needle, and he didn't in Carolina last year. Uh, It seems like they're already off the Drew Locke bandwagon. Uh, he turns the ball over too much, and it feels like they're already done with him. So I think the quarterback play will stop them from going uh, over. I'm going to take the under at seven wins for me. I think they go seven and your Patriot, uh, Well, your Patriot bias aside, do you think the Patriots are going to do well? You'll have to find out when we talk AFC East. Fair, fair enough, because this is right the uh, blueprint of the Patriots team. Well, the Broncos, great on defense, great on defense, and then their running back is fine, they're, and then they're just going to ground a pound and hope they win on defense. 
And the one thing, though, I will say is the Patriots have Bill Belichick. The Broncos have Vic All Fangio. Right, fair enough. And the Chiefs, I'm sorry, and the, Ra- the Raiders, I'm sorry, and the Broncos play the Chiefs twice a year. Uh, granted, the Patriots play Buffalo twice a year, but Bill has had Josh's, Josh Allen's number a couple times. So I think that division is weaker. I think the Patriots' schedule is easier than the Broncos overall. Uh, but I guess you could make the comparison that uh, both teams on paper outside of the quarterback position, they have legitimate rosters. But outside of that, it's tough to really, it's tough to really depend on their quarterback play. I think Teddy Bridgewater is better than Cam Newton. Now, will Teddy Bridgewater and/or Cam Newton last the entire season? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but at the moment, that's looked like how both teams are going to go. But I do think that the key variable to your uh, question is Bill Belichick is greater than Vic Fangio by a million, probably times fifty. Like Belichick himself could gets you three went to four wins, you know. So that that's my takeaway on that. Uh, anything else left in the AFC West? Chiefs to lose, I guess. Chiefs division to lose. Uh, I'd be totally surprised if somehow the Chiefs didn't win that division. Uh, I'd be shocked if somehow the Chargers won that division. If you're the Raiders, though, you gotta pray the Broncos don't get a quarterback. Yeah, you're then you're screwed. Because you have the Chargers to worry about, and then the Chiefs, obviously, to worry about. And then you'll have the Broncos to worry about. They'll be dead last yeah. every single year. Let's say, like, they trade for Deshaun Watson, right? Let's ju- let's say it's Watson, not Rodgers, because Rodgers is up there in age, and he'll be done in, I don't know, three years. Watson, he's in his prime. What is he, 25 years old? In a division with Deshaun Watson, aged whatever it is, 25, 26. Second year, Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes, who is only entering year, what is he, entering year four? Five. Yeah, they can see whatever five. it is, year four or five, whatever it is, that division in terms of quarterback play is scary. You're screwed, and John Gruden won't stand a chance. Right. Just be like the NFC West. Yep. So next week, Peter. AFC South. AFC South will be the division that we break down. So we'll be talking Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Uh, what do we make of the question mark of the Houston Texans? Uh, what do we make of Julio Jones going to the Tennessee Titans? And uh, what do we make about the Indianapolis Colts adding Carson Wentz? That'll be a fun division. Yeah, that's a fun because I feel like that's a little bit more wide open. I feel you can make a significant case for. Uh, I, I'm not saying you can make well, if Watson's healthy, like you never like you can make. Who knows in that division? I feel like if Watson's healthy, maybe they can win eight games. If he's not healthy, then they'll probably win two games. So there's a real fluctuating point. So we'll try to paint that picture for you uh, next week. But, uh, Peter, I want to talk a little bit of some NFL storylines now. Uh, training camp, right? Me and Peter are big fans of training camp. We'll be at the Patriots training camp next week. And um, it's coming up. So let's talk about some storylines heading into training camp. For me, the biggest one is uh, Aaron Rodgers. He's likely not going to report, in my opinion. Uh, Adam Schefter reported a couple days ago that the Packers offered him a two-year deal a two-year extension that would make him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history, and he declined it. Uh, and Schefter's tweet, uh, after that information, he said, when talking about Rodgers, it's not the money. So do you think Aaron Rodgers plays this year? Do you think he reports training camp? What is your takeaway here on Aaron Rodgers? Or is it just like... I don't know if he plays, but there's no way he's going to report training camp. <clears throat> I think he's going to just... Sit out until he gets what he wants. I, I don't even know what he wants anyway because it's not about the money, obviously. And his roster is fine, I guess. His defense is all right. I mean, he still has Devontae Adams. 
Look, and they, they re-signed Aaron Jones for him. Yeah, I know. Because I, I don't know what he wants. Like, he wants more say or, like, in the draft. I know he keeps boning him in the draft, but, like, I don't I don't know. I, I just don't know what he wants. I don't – he's a tough person to read. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that you really can't rule out any options. But I do think he plays this year with the Packers. I know Schefter said it's not about money, but money talks significantly. Um. Or maybe he's just waiting for the Packers to be like, oh, wait, we can't win with Jordan Love. We can't win with Blake Bortles. So, like, what is he saying? Trade Jordan Love? Or, like, what? Like, I don't know because cause they're going to be like, probably oh. like two and four with Jordan Love. And then he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you need me back, huh? And then they're going to just offer him more money. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I guess that's an interesting scenario. Like, is he willing to sit out the first, I don't know, call it four games, two games, whatever? It's very interesting. And that's something that, People need to monitor going forward. Rogers has not been, uh, he has not really commented on the situation too, too much, but he, uh, he's, he's been in the, look, he was on jeopardy during the early part of the summer. Uh, he was on that golf tournament or uh, that golf match with Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. So like he, it's not like he's went into a hole and just nobody knows like he's appeared like he's alive and breathing. So I, I, he's not going to report to training camp. That's obvious. I just don't know necessarily what he wants. I still think it's, it's got to be some financial thing. It's got to be some say over personnel. Those are my two things, in my opinion. I want to see what Devontae Adams does if he's really serious. of Because he's been on the, if I don't play with Aaron Rodgers, you better trade me in five seconds. I want to see if he's actually for real. Exactly. How does the rest of the team react? Or, like, Are they just like, are they Team Rodgers? Are they like, all right, Aaron, like these guys offered you, let's call it $40 million a year. Like, Really? Like, what are we doing here? Because they drafted Jordan Love, who you're better than right now. and Right, you just, won MVP last year. Exactly. Like, And not to mention, Rodgers, I don't I don't think Rodgers will be with the Packers in 2022. I think that's a foregone conclusion. But this year, I do think Rodgers plays. Um, and I do think that his play will drop a tick or two. Uh, just because I think the... Oh, he's the not going to play MVP level, you know? Yeah, the effort level just won't be there, you know? And uh, other storylines in the NFL, Tom Brady, right? Uh, Mr. Ageless, uh, we talked about him pretty much every show. And uh, Tom Brady reportedly played on a torn MCL. It is not known if it was partially torn uh, or completely torn, but apparently he got off-season, uh, off-season surgery to repair that MCL injury. So uh, it is his left knee, which was the same knee that he tore in 2008 with the Patriots. What do you make of that? So Brady, think of it this way, Peter. He beat he ended Drew Brees' career, beat Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP, and beat Patrick Mahomes, who was the defending Super Bowl champion with the torn MCL. Just does uh, godly things because he's an absolute god. Because it doesn't even make sense. Are you still they betting said, against him this year? Uh, probably. He'll probably bite me in the ass again. But you got to do it. But I mean, like there was reports that he tore it with the Patriots versus yeah. the Titans, which is insane. But and yeah, and, and one thing that I think of is I'm sure he's had a multitude of injuries that aren't really uh, known to the public too much. Like there was rumblings that he hurt his MCL in 2018. We all remember what he did with the fit. Remember this, his thumb? Yeah, versus the, the AFC Championship yeah, game against the Jaguars. Like smashed it on the helmet. Yep, in 2017. I think it was Rex Burkhead's helmet. Right. So that was a significant story. He obviously tore his ACL. Well, it was crazy because he wasn't even on the Bucks injury report at all. Like that's an, when yeah, he was that's, on the Patriots, yeah. he was just like, oh, knee or like 
Because yep, he never be, practiced on Wednesdays. He's, yeah, Wednesday it would be it would it would always say limited with the knee, and I'd be yeah. like, ah, like and it and it's something. It seemed like for a, for a couple weeks, like he would be listed as questionable. He was going to play, but like he was listed as questionable. But I don't believe he was on the injury list at all with the Bucks. And if the NFL wants to be consistent here, I think you lay down a fine. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I there's precedent for it because apparently he did it with uh. Uh, I forgot who they did it. Was it maybe the Cowboys a couple of years ago? Like something like that. And there was, there was a fine. Not saying you got to find them a million bucks and take away their first round draft pick. But I do think it alters the way other teams prepare. Not saying people should be like, all right, Brady's got to hurt MCL. Let's dive at his MCL. But I think it's more along the lines of like play to your strengths and weaknesses. Like if you know Brady's hobbled, then maybe you go into uh, the game with a little bit of a different approach. Brady cheating again. I, this one's not Brady. No, I know this, it's the this, Bucks. Yeah, this is just the Bucks trying to be a little, trying to be coy. But Alex Guerrero, he's saying that he has at least two years. It's My great. guy Alex Guerrero appeared on the Adam Schefter podcast. It's great. He said he expects Brady to play this year and next. It's great. At least yep. one more Super Bowl. You know, you know, Peter. Me and Alex Guerrero. My guy. Yeah, talking crap about him during train camp. He's like, right there. That was so funny. Oh, wait, that was me. No, I was, was like, you. This, this, yeah. Yeah, because water can cure, like, headaches. Yeah, okay. yeah, we were, yeah, we were watching. Uh, no, we were sitting outside the TB12, and we were, you were just like, wow, like, I can't believe, like, Brady and Alex, Alex Guerrero have kind of, like, built, like, this whole, like, empire of, like, their Fake training hands. regimens. And then he walks right by us, and I shake his hand. It was funny. Yeah, he's like, nice hat, kid. Yep. Like, oh, crap. Yeah. That was mad funny. I remember no one even noticed, right? You didn't even know. You're like, who's that? Oh, I was like, who's that? Like, that's Alex Guerrero. <laughs> I was like, how you doing, Alex? But Alex Guerrero can join on the, this program anytime. That's for sure. It's true. And finally, yesterday, Fred Warner, linebacker for the 49ers, signed a five-year deal worth $95 million. So Fred Warner, he is a, he's a pretty key part of that 49ers defense. Uh, can pretty much do it all for them. And if he can stay healthy, uh, that 49ers defense should do special things next year. Uh, they're going to get Bosa back. Uh, they're going to get a lot of their key guys that were hurt back. And Fred Warner is the key catalyst to all of that. Yeah, when we preview the NFC West, we'll talk about it. But people are going to forget how bad the 49ers were injured last year and how good they really are. Yeah, from, from the quarterback to their best player on defense to their – what were they on their third string running back, whatever it was? Yep, like they, George Kittle going out and Kittle yep. was out and their whole uh, Sherman was out. Yep. Well, Sherman, rest in peace, but yep. Yeah. Yep. Richard Sherman, who uh, we'll see where he ends up, if he ends up anywhere. But yeah, Peter, you got anything else? It's you weird know? not doing the weekend picks, but that's over for a while. Yeah. Well, we'll continue the weekend picks once, once uh, the NFL starts back up and college football starts back up, which is coming soon. College football is in, I think, a month. Or five weeks, maybe. It's yep. not that long. And I know Peter probably is surprised after I just said that. But, yeah, probably about five weeks, Peter. Damn. Yeah. But those are our win totals. And next week we'll break down the AFC South. Uh, we'll probably get into some other topics. We'll talk some MLB trade deadline. Maybe we'll dip our toe into the Olympics a little bit. But, yeah, training camp starts from across the league. So, uh, yeah. Stay hot.